You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So I'm going to pick up again where I left off a couple weeks ago, what Annie had just tied so directly, and I was texting her while I was listening to the podcast, telling her how good it was, but then also it's like, you are now stealing my message for Sunday, so stop it. But she'd already uh, finished, you know, five days before that. So, so I, you know, I've been talking about this idea of seeing good days, and again, just briefly, just to review a little bit, this, the Lord started speaking to me about this when I was talking with somebody who could recount all the wonderful things they had in life, but they could, they could recount them, but they weren't seeing them. They're, they felt like, well, just to quote them, my life sucks. Okay, that's what I was told. And that's how they felt right then. But they knew God's done this, God's done that. I have this, I, have no, I don't deserve this. All of that. So, so God wants us to have good days. He also wants our heart in a place where we can see and recognize good days so that we can go through life with joy. So we started one of the verses we looked at uh, was here in Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5. I believe we looked at this uh, last time I was here. And it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise, be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. Why? For or because the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. That means no matter what's going on in life, we have a good reason to praise God and we need to do it. It's something active. Thanksgiving and praise are active. These are tools. These are weapons. Uh, against um, against sorrow, against hopelessness, against disappointment, against all of those things that the devil would like to pull us down into. Uh, praise and thanksgiving are, are weapons against those things. It says his faithfulness and truth endure to all generations. So what these verses do, of course, this is the Old Testament, and they link the physical act for them of coming into the temple area. So the temple area, you'd come up the steps, you'd come in, there was an outer court, an inner court, there was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies where the presence of God was separated by the curtain. Remember when Jesus uh, went to the cross and when Jesus died, how that huge curtain in the temple was split, signifying that the presence of God was not separated from people anymore because of the work of Christ. But so they're using this picture of this progression inward from, from the outside to the place of God's presence. Now we know that God is present everywhere all the time. The other thing we know is that as New Testament believers, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're, you're the temple. And we collectively are the temple. It's interesting that in the New Testament, Paul uh, used that phrasing both in the singular, meaning you as an individual believer are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he used it in the plural, meaning you, the gathered church, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you're the place where God dwells in the earth and where he manifests himself and, and all of that today. So when we look at this, the idea is they would come in physically and first, and some of the Psalms 
are about this. The Psalms of Ascent are about certain uh, festivals where they would come up the steps and they would sing these specific psalms as they entered. And so so he's talking, he's using this analogy uh, of, there wasn't an analogy then, but anyway, the imagery for us is that of coming into the temple and coming nearer and nearer and nearer to the presence of God. Well, how does that work with us? The way that that works is that having a heart of gratitude, which is something we can do on purpose. I love this, that it says, be thankful and say so to him, (laughs) okay? It's not just about what's going on in our heart. That's the place it starts, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. That's where it starts. Be thankful, but don't stop there. Say so, let it come out your mouth, right? And, And so he's... This scripture is telling us, okay, as, as we, as we uh, participate in giving thanks to God, it does something in our heart. It, it brings us closer to an awareness of the presence of God that dwells in us, to an intimacy with the presence of God in us. Thanksgiving turns into praise. Thanksgiving, having that, that thankful heart, becomes praise declared out of our mouths. As we, as we enter into that whole process, this is why we start churches, churches, church services with, with thanksgiving and praise and worship. There's a reason for that. It isn't just to wake us all up and, you know, sometime to drink your coffee, you know. It's, there's a process here. And what's happening is we're becoming more and more aware of a spiritual reality that exists all the time of God dwelling in us. God's spirit living in us. And we become, through thanksgiving and praise, what happens is we become, through that, aware. We start to thank him for who he is and what he's done. And we start to outwardly, openly recount. This isn't just for Sunday. This is for every day. We recount who he is and what he's done. And, and then that just, it rises up in you and you begin to declare, you begin to praise him, you begin to honor him for who he is and what he's done. And as you do that, we're just made this way. The temple was just a picture of this. We become aware of the presence of God and God designed us so that at that moment, we go, we worship. When we are aware of God's presence, we might fall on our face. We might still celebrate. We might be loud. We might be quiet. We might sing. We might speak. We might be silent. But we move into this place of intimacy and worship and adoration, thanksgiving, praise, worship. So this is a picture of us, of a process that brings us into divine encounter, encounters with God that are meaningful. And that's the thing. We want to have in our personal time, in our church services, in our other services, we want to have meaningful encounters with the Lord. We want to receive from him what's on his heart because that's where transformation happens. That's where we're equipped to minister to people by the Holy Spirit. And so these, are, these things are important to having a heart that can rejoice when things really stink. 
that can thank God when things are not going well and when things are going well. It doesn't have to stink before we do this, okay? But sometimes life's going to stink. That's, you know, Jesus, again, he said in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. It's where we're going to live, okay? And we can walk through this with joy. We can walk through this with an awareness. And you know what? When you have this awareness and, you're, and again, you're thankful, you're grateful for so much and you remind yourself of that, you recount that, then the problems of the day don't hit you near as hard. You don't get drawn down into that. Uh, is it because you're aware of who God is? So, uh, I'll just put these up for you for another second. Some of you can take a picture of it or whatever. We we talked about the fact that thanksgiving and praise clear the clogs out of our hearts and clear the way for divine encounters. Remember I talked about it's like a shower drain where you dig that ugly, horrible, hairy, uh, slimy thing out of there and then the water flows. That's how it works in our hearts, okay? Thanksgiving recalls who God is and what he's done. Praise declares who God is and what he's done. Praise is a celebratory declaration of God's goodness, faithfulness, and works. Praise, this is so important, Jesus said, silences the mouth of the enemy. And he did a really good job with part of this last week about how the devil's trying to shoot those flaming arrows. And, and praise is a weapon for you. When the enemy's lying to you, stop listening to that stuff. If you, you know, and this is what I always wonder when people, they'll come up and they want prayer and that's great. I'll pray for you. But they'll say the devil's been saying, and it's like, why are you listening to the devil? He's a liar. He's a liar. He doesn't do anything but lie. If you knew somebody in your life, and hopefully you don't, that does nothing but lie, don't you quit putting stock in what they say, even if you know, and you probably do, uh, people that lie quite a bit. Don't you quit putting very much weight on what they say? I do. I, I don't quit loving them, but I'm not going to take what they say very seriously. Well, the devil's a liar. So rebuke him, resist him, and he will flee from you. And one of the ways we do that, praise. When we get together and we praise God, the mouth of the enemy is silenced, not just for us, but for the community. I believe that, that there is angelic uh, warfare and uh, huge processes that go on when God's people get together and worship him and praise him together. There's so much power release. All right, so let's get into a little new uh, material today. I want to talk to you about the role of testimony in all of this, and I've brought that up uh, a few times. You know, again, testimony is a spoken or written record of who God is and what he has done. So all of us can have a testimony library that we we build up in our hearts of things that God has done. And it, they don't all have to have happened in your life. And And we'll look at that. Okay, we're going to look at that from the scripture we can take hold of what happened in the disciples' lives, what happened in a friend's life, what happened in grandma's life, whatever it is, it's a, it's a spoken or written record. It's something we remember, we record, we recount of who God is, who he has declared himself to be and shown himself to be in Jesus Christ. 
and what God has done. And that, that's testimony. And it's a powerful thing. It runs all through testimony. When we say, be thankful and say so to him, well, what you're remembering and being thankful for is testimony. What we praise and declare him for, that's testimony. It is the thread that pulls thanksgiving, praise, and worship all together. It goes all through it. And I, I just know, and may, maybe you're not this way, but I know for me, I really just in the last 10 years have come into a lot more of a an understanding of the importance of testimony and of my having that testimony. And I'll say this, we're going to get to it later, but I'll just say it right now. So many of us came up thinking that the word testimony only referred to the story of how you got saved. That is a part of your testimony, but that's just one part of your testimony. When I used to hear somebody, well, give your testimony, it meant, well, how did you get saved? And that's wonderful. We should know that. We should remember that. That was a fairly significant event in our eternity, okay? But but uh, that's not all it is. It's a record of when you, well, okay, let me get back to this. All right. So Psalm 9 verse 1 says, actually, I, I found this one when I was sitting there in that beautiful meadow. Uh, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will, I love the I wills in this. I will. This isn't an option. I'm going to do this, okay? I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth, recount, and tell aloud all your marvelous works and wonderful deeds. That's testimony. The psalmist is saying, I will hold and release testimony. I will praise you. I will recount and tell aloud all right, so this isn't an option. Testimony is the lifeblood of thanksgiving and praise, right? We've got to have this in our heart. And, and we all function differently, but we need, to either keep, we need to either start writing these things down or speak them into your phone or, you know, you've got to remember them somehow. And if God puts some way in your house, especially those of you who are raising kids, God puts some way in, in your mind to have the testimonies, the family testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness displayed in your house. I say, do it. Do it. Talk to Bonnie. She has some really good ideas about this. Okay. Um, so, so here's what happens. Testimony records and recounts God's nature and works in order to, all right, a couple things in order to establish those truths in our hearts and bring encouragement. God brings, testimony does that. It establishes who God is and what he has done in our hearts, and it brings encouragement. Testimony uh, repeatedly exalts the Lord. Having that record, having that, I don't know a better term. It seems like you had a different one the other day, but the testimony library, testimony arsenal. What were you saying? Trust fund. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but having this, this collection of testimony in your life, all right, it enables you to just repeatedly exalt the Lord. And again, what does that do? It changes us 
It brings us into an awareness of his presence now, remembering what he did before, because we know what he's done before he will do again, because he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And what he did for somebody else, he'll do for us because he's no respecter of persons. So this all becomes very personal. So, so it does that, but it also stops the mouth of the avenger. It silences the lies of the enemy. It's really, really important. All right. Testimony records and recounts God's nature in order to convey the nature and works of God to future generations. Let's go over to Psalm 78. I don't have this up on your screen. Um, Hopefully you have a Bible with you or your phone or something. Uh, Psalm 78. Somebody beside you has a phone. You can just steal theirs. Can give it back later. Um, I'm going to begin in verse 3. I guess I'll read it from the Amplified. Yeah, we might as well begin in verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, in instruction by numerous examples. I will utter dark sayings of old that hide important truth. And of course, this was... Uh, prophecy about Jesus that you can find over in uh, Matthew. But in verse 3, it says, so here's, so here's this truth coming out. He says, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. So you can immediately see truth is being passed down from generation to generation. We will not hide them from their children, but we will tell to the generation to come the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Not sure which deeds of his are not praiseworthy, but we will tell to our children the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonderful works that he has performed. So there it is. So in this, in this place, in this household, there's this ongoing recounting of the wonderful works of the Lord. And so children in the next generation's are hearing and not just hearing, but they're they're knowing. I mean, uh, that's where testimony becomes personal, and 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 you're recounting a lot of what you're recounting is what God has done in you. It's not just a story from the Bible, which is obviously awesome, but still, it is what God has done for you, what God did for Aunt Mary, what God did for Grandma, what God is doing right now, what God did for our neighbors, what, you know, it's being recounted to those next generations. Verse 5 says, For he established a testimony and expressed precept in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, commanding our forefathers that they should make the great facts of God's dealing with Israel known to their children. Why? Why? Verse 6. So that the generation to come might know them, know them acts of God, those great acts of God that the children still to be born might arise and recount them to their children. Isn't this cool? The testimony about God just goes down generation. This is how God designed this to work, by the way. This is why God established families, all right? Verse 7, that they, those kids in future generations. I love this because it's, I'm going to back up. To that, verse 6, that generation to come might know them that the children still to be born might arise and recount them to their children. That's a place of prayer for us. You guys pray for your kids. I'm sure many of you do this. 
be praying for their kids. Be praying, you know, be praying for their, their kids' kids. You know, I, be praying this stuff out, releasing this stuff out over them. God wants us to saturate generation. Actually, the knowledge of God and moving in him and getting stronger in him, that's supposed to grow generation to generation. We're, we're in this place in our society where anything old is bad and something has to be brand new. It's got to be brand new or, or it's no good. And so we keep dropping what our parents had. And I understand, you know, music styles change and all that. I don't think that matters so much. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the witness of what God has done. We should be building, we should be standing on the testimony of our fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers and, and all of that and what they experienced with God. We should be standing on that. Now, some of us, my grandparents didn't have this kind of relationship with God personally, but I know a whole bunch of people that age who did. I know who some of the heroes of the faith through uh, the 1800s and the 1900s uh, and, the, and into this century, who those people are and were. And it's like uh, Paul Youngi Cho just passed away this last week. Has the biggest church, still, the biggest church in the world, what, 600,000 people or something in uh, Korea, in Seoul, South Korea. He was the one that developed the idea of small groups in a huge church to keep uh, church living and vital. You know, he's a hero of the faith. He just passed on. We need to be standing on who he is and was in this earth. We don't need to forget that and drop it. We're such a soundbite culture and that's not good. In this context, that's not good. God builds generationally. And if you and, and we don't have our own children, that's okay. We can bug your children, okay? And, and pour into your children. The point is we're a generation of believers. And we need to be standing on and, and just taking it farther every generation. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so verse seven, they set their hope in God uh, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but might keep his commandments and get this one and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their hearts aright nor prepared their hearts to know God and whose spirits were not steadfast and faithful to God. And you can go on and you can, it, well, let's just go on. Verse nine, the children of Ephraim were armed and carrying bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. So he's going back, he's saying, look, your kids and your grandkids don't have to be like this, okay? And he says it often, the things that have come into her life and, and through her family, they stop here. And I love that. They stop here. People talk about generational curses. People talk about, well, my family's always been that way. Well, it can stop here. The next generation doesn't have to carry that on. Whatever, you know, bad habits or diseases that, that oh, my whole family's been susceptible to, well, you don't have to be. I don't care. God made DNA. Okay, it's wonderful that we've discovered it. We can do wonderful things with it. But don't take that as, a, oh, well, it's just in my DNA. We're just, we're going to have this. No, you don't have to. You're in a new family. You're a new creature in Christ. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's a, an emotional thing. I don't care if it's a dependency or an addiction or, or something physical. It can stop here. Okay. 
So he, he calls back to this. The children of Ephraim were armed and carrying bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant, refused to walk according to his law, forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So this whole passage, and you probably need to take it home, meditate on it for yourself, but the whole point is testimony. We bring testimony. It's not just for us. It's for future generations, okay? And and that's what God wants to have happen, and that pass down to future generations. So one of the reasons for testimony is to convey the nature of God, uh, nature and works of God to future generations, all right? Another reason for testimony is to release, testimony releases the same life and power that was embodied in the original event again and again. What I mean by that is many times people get healed hearing the testimony of someone else who got healed. They get delivered hearing the testimony of someone else who got delivered. A lot of times you start moving in a, in a, in a service or, or outside of a service, just uh, people ministering to one another and you begin to tell of the things God did. And, and there's power there. There's life there. The same power that sets somebody else free from alcoholism can set you free from alcoholism. Okay, the same power that healed somebody's body can heal, heal your body. And this happens frequently, and it's, it should be a part of our arsenal. You know, and again, this is what Annie made a great point. She talked about the extinguished arrows, holding up that shield of faith, and those lies of the enemy coming and being extinguished. And there was that picture of uh, the, the warrior standing there with all these extinguished arrows and how those arrows, those extinguished arrows, the things they've defeated in Jesus' name by faith in Jesus, those become a part of their arsenal. Those become something they can use in battle. And those then can go on. I think the one day we were talking about it, I don't know if you brought this out last week or not. And this is the part I didn't steal a few weeks ago that I thought was so good. Uh, She talked about how God showed her that, you know, it says that our children are like arrows shot from a bow, which means number one, you do get to aim them. This idea in our culture that we should have just, just let them go anywhere. Can you imagine? It's, you know, stand around out in a field somewhere and everybody just starts firing arrows every direction. How safe is that going to be? But anyway, um, the, those, those things that you've overcome become a part of your children's future to go out and, and overcome or not even have to deal with. They can overcome something else as they go on. So every victory that's ours or somebody else's, it becomes the substance of our thanksgiving and praise. Uh, and and again, I'll just quote her one more time because uh, I already had this, but you stole it. Uh, one of the great examples of that was David with Goliath. And she mentioned that. He came down and, you know, they asked him, he's this kid, they tried to give him armor that was too big for him and all this stuff. He said, no, the same God that was with me with the lion and the bear, which that sounds like a pretty big deal to me. But Goliath, I was thinking about this, Again, sitting in that meadow, uh, I was thinking about this and Goliath was a bigger threat. I mean, a lion and a bear sounds like a pretty big threat to me, trying to come and get your sheep, you know. But 
Goliath was a human being. Goliath had a brain. That's where David put the rock. And, and, and you know, he, he was a military guy. He, had, he was huge. He had all this stuff. And so what's the deal? Well, David had experienced God in what he considered smaller areas. So now there's this bigger area. He recounts what God did back here. So the, the problem is bigger, but God's the same. The solution is the same. And you know, that really throws people sometimes because they come up and they've got a bigger problem and, and they want a bigger solution. They want, you know, and you start giving them the word and it's like, yeah, but you don't get it. This is a really big problem. It's like, no, that same word and that same Holy Spirit works with every size of problem, okay? And so David, what did he do? He recounted that, okay? Another example is over in Mark chapter 8. I'm not going to take time to read it, but you can write it down. Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. So this was where Jesus had just gotten done feeding 4,000 people with a little bit of bread and fish, okay? And this, this was the second round, okay, of Jesus doing the impossible, feeding these people in an impossible situation, a wilderness setting with a little tiny bit of food. It was multiplied and all these people got fed and there was a bunch left over. Okay, so they get into the boat to go across the sea and the disciples start. What he said to them was, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And, and what he was talking about was don't take in their teaching. It'll get in your heart like leaven and it'll go throughout and all that's great. That's a great teaching on its own. But what the disciples heard was he's ticked off because we didn't bring bread. We, we didn't bring, oh, we forgot to bring bread, you know. And he knew what they were thinking and he rebuked them. And he, and he said, you guys, you're, you're missing the point entirely. But what he did in that moment was he took them back through the story really slowly. And I, I appreciate that so much because we're all that dumb at times. And, and, you know, he said, why are you worried about bread? Don't you remember? And really the Greek says, can't you recall? Are you unable to recall when I fed the 5,000? And how many, and he asked me, how many baskets did you have left over? And, and he, you know, and they told him how many baskets they had left. And then we fed the 4,000. How much did you have left over? You know, he took them through the whole story really kindly and really slowly. And, and the question was, okay, here you are. Now we're in another impossible situation. You didn't bring bread. Really? You're going to worry about that? You're not going to remember what I did back there? Can you not recall? I mean, the, the question was, what happened to the testimony? What happened to your memory of what I just did? And what he wanted them to do was to be in a place of, oh, I messed up. We didn't bring any bread. Who cares? We've got the bread of life right here in the boat with us, right? And he wanted them to recall that because recalling that would have given them the power to overcome what they were going to. And it's, you know, so again, you can read that. You can read that uh, for yourself. But that holding of testimony, I'll just say it one more time, it fuels thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving leads us into praise. And that praise stops the mouth of the enemy. That praise becomes the substance 
of, of our heart attitude as, as we walk through life. It's really difficult. It is impossible to have, to be discouraged and disappointed and down. And I know we all, we all get there. We all have those moments where, boy, things are looming. Things are happening. Granted, we have those. But where our heart goes in those moments can be, thank God, you took care of this same type of problem back here. And again, it doesn't have to be your, your miracle. It can be something you find in the Bible. It can be something he did for a friend. It can be any of those things. Um, so here's, here's where we find that, all right? You still with me? Yep. Psalm 119, 111 says, Your testimonies, Lord, your testimonies. Okay, the record, your record of who you are and what you have done. Have I taken as a heritage forever. In other words, an inheritance. I have taken your testimonies for they are the rejoicing of my heart. All right, your testimonies, O Lord, what, what I see in the word that you have done, what I know you have done for others, what just happened for my neighbor. I'm, I'm believing God for this to happen in my life and I just heard a place where you did that, Okay. The, our responsibility is to take those testimonies and add them to our library, okay? We can take those testimonies. Why? Again, because God's no respecter of person. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. And because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it once, he will do it again, all right? So it's, it's perfectly fine and necessary that we take those, those records of what God has done. So here's some mistakes I think we make. <clears throat> we'll just kind of wrap up with this. Uh, with testimonies. Um, and by the way, there was a really good podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, it was on Bethel's Sermon of the Week. Dan, what's his name? Dan. Yeah, anyway. Dan Farley, something like that. Uh, he's one of the pastors there. And uh, he had a really good thing about testimony. Went through a lot of real practical stuff. And I just encourage you uh, to listen to it. It's on their Sermon of the Week on, on podcast from several weeks ago. All right. So I already mentioned the one we think. This is, these are just mistakes we make with testimony. Uh, we think that the word testimony only refers to our salvation story. That's just not true. Uh, you know, Jesus just gave us that example in the boat. Remember what I did, not just when you believed in me, okay? So uh, we, we tend to think that. Uh, it gets used that way. The word gets used that way a lot. Nothing wrong with that, but that's certainly not the whole story, okay? When we give testimonies, we have to be careful that we're not spending more time telling people about our problem than about what God did or about how we work to solve our problem, you know, uh, but instead we need to tell what God did. It's supposed to be who God is and what God did. So when we give a testimony, sometimes we need to fill people in a little bit on what was going on, that's fine. But uh, when we give a testimony, whether it's standing up here and giving a testimony or just talking to somebody, tell what God did. That's kind of the point. Tell them what God did. And, and I've been in services where 
Uh, a lot of times in Bill Johnson's services and people like that, you know, a lot of people are getting healed. They'll have some people come up and he's constantly telling them, now tell us what God did because people are just wanting to tell their story. And I understand, but there are a lot of people to talk and there's only so much time. And so he's constantly, now tell us what God did because that's where the power lies to get somebody else healed. So again, you may have to relate some of your story, but but just keep it in mind Tell them what God did, okay? Um, I've seen people that resist telling what God has done because they're afraid it will sound like they're bragging about themselves, okay? And, and it, well, if I tell this blessing and somebody else didn't get it, well, then I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm putting myself for it. Well, here's the solution to that. Don't brag about yourself. It's very simple. Brag about what God did, Tell them what God did. It's very evident when you're talking, and especially in a setting where the Spirit of God is moving. If you're pointing to you, that quenches the Holy Spirit. Everybody knows it, okay? If you're pointing to God and telling them what he did in your life, it it just releases all kinds of good things. So just don't do that. Instead, tell what God did. And give him the glory. That's, that's really, it's really very, very simple. So my point is don't resist telling what God has done because you're afraid it'll come out wrong. Just tell what God did. Just keep it simple, okay? Uh, some people resist giving a testimony because they're afraid it'll make someone else feel bad or jealous or hurt because they haven't had that experience. That's not your responsibility, Okay? That's not your responsibility. All of us have the responsibility to learn how to take testimonies. And we all have to. When we hear somebody else's testimony and we've been believing for that blessing, we take that as an encouragement. If God did it for them, he'll do it for me. He'll do it for others. You know, it isn't even just all about me. I'm just saying it's always testimonies. You get to decide how you receive a testimony. If you get jealous or discouraged or disappointed over testimony, you need to work that out with God because God is good all the time. He does good things for you. He does good things for me. And what you're believing for, if somebody else gets it, that's awesome because that's just another confirmation that your blessing is coming. Okay. But you have to take it that way. So if you're the person giving the testimony, tell what God did. Brag on God. Tell him it's, it's not about you. If somebody takes that wrong, I'm sorry, but that's not your responsibility. And if you quit giving testimonies because of that, you know, that doesn't do anybody any good. Okay. So we already said this, everything that God's done belongs to every one of us. Um, Always allow a testimony to produce hope. Uh, And then every testimony that somebody gives, it's always, if you tell what he did, it always points to who he is because God's nature and his actions are exactly the same. He acts out of his nature. He speaks out of his nature. So if you hear somebody, you hear what God did, oh, their body got healed. Well, what does that tell you? It tells me God is a healer, right? He, he provided for them financially. God is a provider. Always take a testimony and think about who God is. You know, what does that say about God? And that way we're growing in knowing who he is, okay? All right, so here's what I encourage us all to do. Begin to record God's acts of faithfulness to you and to others. All right, just write them down. 
keep some kind of a record. Just start and, and go through them. Remember them, okay? Begin to recount God's nature and goodness in your own personal prayer time. If you don't do that already, start your prayer time with a time of giving thanks. And, and, and it can, I would say this all the time, give thanks for the smallest thing you can think of. Just those little blessings, because then the, the big ones will be easy, all right? But recount God's nature and his goodness in your personal prayer time. Begin to recount God's nature and goodness in your family devotions or your fellowship with friends. There's nothing better than sitting down with a group of friends and bragging on God, talking about God, instead of just all the junk that's out there. It's so easy for us just to talk about the junk. We need to be talking about God. All right. Use your testimony library to share God's goodness with others and silence the lies of the enemy. And then when faced with a challenge, begin to remind the enemy who your God is and who you are in him and what he has done use that as a weapon to shut him up. You have to develop in your heart, you have to develop an absolute, uh, I will not receive what is contrary to the word and the nature of God, either through circumstance, making it look a certain way, or through the things that people say, or stuff you read, or or just attitudes that come up in us, I will not. None of us are perfect in this, okay? Me most of all. But I'm just saying, it's still the truth. I will not receive things that are contrary to the work of to the to the word, to the nature, to the works of God. I think there again, keep quoting Bill Johnson, I think he he says, I, I don't have any business uh having thoughts in my head about me or about anything else that God doesn't have. I have no business allowing those thoughts in. When we start to entertain those thoughts that try to penetrate our lives, we give them permission to get rooted in us and to begin to build a stronghold. But when we reject those things, when we block them with faith, when we tell the devil who God is, We reject those things. We resist them and they will not have the opportunity to get rooted in you. Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's stand up and pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I I again, I think I prayed this way a couple weeks ago for us. I pray for all of us that, Father, you would help us to build this testimony library in our own lives and then as a church. Lord, I think you've given us some ideas about that. But Father, help us to begin to record the things that you've done. Especially, I just pray especially for families this morning. Lord, that they would be building a testimony library, a structure, Lord, of testimony, an atmosphere and an environment of testimony in their households and that the children of this church and their children and their children would be raised in that environment where, yeah, they know the Bible stories, but they know the God of those stories personally and they can relate how God showed himself to be the same as he was in those stories, in their personal lives and in their families heritage. And Lord, we say it this morning, according to your word, we take your testimonies as 
our inheritance. They belong to us. Holy Spirit, just help us. I just ask you, help us with this and help us to, to think on those, those good things. Lord, it, you said it so clearly in your word, think on these things. And Father, that our minds and our hearts would be full of the goodness and the grace of God. We thank you for it. And as we go out of this place, I believe, Lord, we go out full, full of the goodness of God, full of testimony, full of gratitude, full of praise for you. And Lord, you show us how to impart that to people, not in a religious way, God, but just through the joy of the Holy Spirit flowing out of us. How could, they said in the book of Acts, how can we help but tell? what he has done. How can we help but tell how good he is? Lord, we want that heart. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world, and we will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.